can't think of a better way to start a new year than to be with God. And, you know, looking back over all those years and all the changes and the, the development he's brought me through, it's, it's his word that's done it. You know, it's his word that changes us. It's his word that transforms us. And if you're looking back over this past year and you're like, man, I, I'm not seeing much difference, I challenge you to spend more time in the word. And you'll, you'll, you'll see a difference. I guarantee it. There's not much things you, I, I'll guarantee, but I guarantee if you spend time in the word, you will be changed because of it. So before we get into his word this morning, let's just open up in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word and the power it has to change us, to transform us, to make us into your image, to help us to lead the lives that you have called us to lead, Lord, that it fills us with your grace and your power and reminds us of who you are and um, helps to transform us into who you want us to be. And just ask that you be with me as I share this word this morning, that you would speak through me and that um, lives would be changed because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I guess I should also say Happy New Year. I mean, it's the last day of the year. I cannot believe that we are staring down the barrel of 2024. I was telling Pastor Jay this morning, it feels like just a few days ago, we were excited for 2020 and all the new things that were coming ahead of us and the new vision and the, 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 all the things, all the cool words we came up with as a church, and we were excited. And then a couple months later, the church was closed, and it was just... Like, man, what the, the Lord has done over these past few years have caused it to be a blur. And, you know, and I know that everybody says it seems like time's speeding up and all this thing, but I, it, it really does feel like it. And we were talking about it the other night in jiu-jitsu, and, you know, one of the boys there just turned 19. I'm like, man, that's, that's young, young, 19. And he's like, but it feels like days are getting shorter. And I was like, yeah, because if you, if you look at what a day is or a week is when you're five, that's a, a decent percentage of the amount of time you've been on earth or a month. But when you're 20, 30, 40, that, that becomes a less and less of a fraction of your life. So, of course, it goes faster because you've been here longer. But time really does feel like it's speeding up, not just from a logical standpoint, but just from the things going on in the world. Like something's coming. And we as a church know what that is. But it's important that we be ready for that event, right? That's, that's the whole point of coming to church, being in the word. Living a life for him is to be ready for his coming. And New Year's is a time where people do that, right? They, they set up resolutions. Everybody got a resolution ready this year? Maybe not. I, 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 feel like, I feel like resolutions have kind of dwindled over the past few years. Like not so many people do them. And I was kind of curious, so I looked up some, some statistics on resolutions. And I don't know if it's always been this low, but only 38% of adults make a resolution in, in the years. You know, I remember, I remember, I feel like everyone I know has had some sort of revolution, but only 38% of people make a resolution each year. Of those 38%, 46% of those people make it for six months. 9% make it the full year. Here, here's the one that really got me. 80% of resolutions are forgotten by February. I'm, I'm guessing that's why resolutions are kind of falling off. It's, it's, it's that 9% success rate that, eh, man, it's not really worth my headache to establish a resolution. But a few years ago, my wife and I, we started doing this thing where we come up with a word of the year. So we kind of reflect over the year before, and then we proclaim a, a word over our, pre, our, our a year to come. And so that's kind of what I do now. Instead of resolving to change things the next year, I reflect on where I've been 
the past year. I thought it was so cool that the bulletin had reflect on the thing this morning. So that's what I do. I reflect. So I was reflecting over my past year these past couple weeks. Thinking over how I've handled that word of our, our word of the year this year. And this year our word was release. I was thinking of how I handled that word. What, what am I still carrying in my life that I was carrying a year ago that I should not be carrying? What, what, what have I not released? What am I doing? What am I holding on to this year that I was still holding on to? Or what am I still holding on to this year that I was holding on to last year? What have I not released? How have I handled that word release in my life? Did I release things I needed to to walk a closer life with Christ? Because we know that in order to walk closer to Christ, we have to let go of things on this world, right? That's, that's the, the dichotomy of Christianity. You can't cling to both sides of the fence. You have to let go of one and cling to the other. What have I held on to through this past year that has caused, hindered my walk in some way with Christ? And I, I kept thinking of that word hinder. And uh, Hebrews 12.1 came to mind. It's a familiar passage. If you want to, you can turn there. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I have a note, and I think it's from a different translation. It says, let us lay aside everything that hinders us. I think that might be the NIV. Let us lay aside everything that hinders us. What have I held on to? What have I not released this year that has hindered me? Did I let go of things when I was wrong or did I hold on to them to where I was hindered in my walk? Did I hold on to unforgiveness? Did I hold on to bad habits? Did I hold on to to things that I should have let go of that got in the way of my relationship with Christ? I started thinking about what weights am I carrying? that I shouldn't be carrying? What burdens am I carrying that I should not be carrying? What, what habits am I holding on to that I should not be holding on to? And I started thinking about that word release in just different aspects of it. And I, I, thought, I, I thought of it in terms of sacrifice. What have I not sacrificed at the altar of Christ to where I could walk closer to him in this past year? What have I not laid, released, laid, sacrificed upon the altar of Christ so I could walk closer with him? And I thought maybe that's why Resolutions fail. You know, if you, if you look at the top five resolutions, it's, I want to, um, I haven't been down here. Lose weight's one of them. But surprisingly, the, the top one is, uh, shucks, where's that? Saving more money. That's number one. I want to save more money this year. Number two, exercise more. Number three, eat healthier. Number four, spend more time with friends and family. And number five is lose weight. Why do those things fail? It's because people aren't willing to sacrifice the things it takes to succeed in them. If you want to make more money or save more money, of course it does help if you make more money. But if, you're not, if you don't have that luxury, you've got to stop spending money elsewhere. You've got to sacrifice those joys and pleasures of spending money. If you want to eat healthier, you've got to sacrifice some of those sweets, right? Because if you just eat healthy things and still eat the sweets, you're not eating healthier. You're eating more healthy stuff. You're still eating unhealthy you're just supplementing with some healthy stuff. That's not eating healthier. If you want to exercise more, you got to sacrifice some time that you were spending elsewhere to exercise. Because I don't know about you, but when I've 
resolved to exercise more. I don't magically get an extra hour a day. I got to sacrifice that hour somewhere. Sometimes it's sleep. Sometimes it's TV time. Sometimes it's rest. Whatever it is, you got to sacrifice time to go to the gym. If you want to spend more time with family, you got to sacrifice some me time, right? You got to be a little less selfish. If you want to succeed in a new thing, you have to let go of something else. If you resolve, like most Christians do, to walk closer to Christ this year, you got to let go of something in this world that's holding you, hindering you from that walk. Those sounds like some pretty good resolutions. If you aren't willing to sacrifice, the chances of success are very slim. You can't hold on to both sides. You can't lose weight and eat unhealthy. You can't exercise more and still be lazy. You got to you got to let go of one vine to swing to the next, right? That, that illustration of the monkey. He can't get to that next vine and swing on it until he's let go of that one. Because if he holds on to both, he's just going to stop. You got to let go of one or the other. Hopefully it's the new thing. What? So, I, you know, I started thinking about these three as I reflected over this word release and how I've used it and failed at it this year. I came up with three questions, and I'm going to pose those three questions to you this morning, because I think in order to walk closer with Christ this year, we have to know what we held on to this past year so that we can do that, because if we don't, if we don't recognize those things and identify them and release them, we're not going to get closer to him. We're going to stay in the same place of sitting on the fence between Christ and the world, life and death. Let's let go of death and cling to life, right? So the first question I had came from this ver, um, Romans or Hebrews 12, 1. So what in my life hindered me this year? What did I allow to hinder me this year? I'm going to read that verse again, or this is the second part. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely to us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, but I'm not much of a runner. I don't run very many races. You know, I run so little bit that when I do, my kids get excited about it. <laughs> look, look, dad's running, and they kind of giggle and get a little bit of joy in their life. Well, I get, like, not that I'm run funny. Like, I think I'm a decent runner for a bigger guy, but it, it, that's how unfrequently I run, is that when I do, it, it becomes an event to my kids, <laughs> right? You know, and I was thinking about that, but I, I was the same way with my dad. Like, when he would run we'd all me and my five brothers be like wow dad's running we'd never see that but I, I don't run very much so I don't relate to the running a race with endurance very well but I was curious I looked up the world's fastest man anybody have any idea who that is I don't know how you say his first name Usain 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 Bolt right Usain Bolt and I thought man that is the coolest name ever for a runner Bolt right <laughs> I mean I don't know if he, I don't know, is that his, was he born with that name? That's pretty awesome. But he's the, the, considered the world's fastest man. He's got all kinds of records, I guess. And I was thinking, I was looking at pictures of him, and he doesn't, I'm sure he's very careful about the things he wears when he runs those races. He doesn't wear big baggy clothes. He doesn't wear pants that are sagging around his butt. He, he, his shoes, I'm sure, are tied in a way that they cannot come untied. Because everything, when you're at that level of a runner, everything is going to hinder you if it goes wrong. Everything, whether it's his shirt like flapping wrong in the wind or one shoe tied looser than the other, he depends on everything being meticulously ready for him to run. 
That's the picture Paul's painting here. It's lay aside everything that hinders you. Everything. And as you get closer and closer to Christ, those things that hinder you are going to get smaller and more detailed. Initially, it might be some blatant, obvious sin, but eventually it's going to be something minor like a thought you had yesterday. It's something's going to hinder you. We all have things that hinder us. Lay aside all of them. If you want to be Usain Bolt of the Christian walk, you got to get rid of everything. Nothing can be hindering you. And I started thinking about this in, in ways I relate to. And I hike. I don't run. I like to hike. And we're actually getting ready to go on a crater hike in a couple weeks. And believe me, when you're hiking 20, you know, it's 10 miles each way, so 20-mile round trip through a crater high elevation, you got to pack in everything you're going to eat, sleep, change, all that stuff. you got to pack in all that stuff. You want to be sure that your weight and everything you have in your pack is accounted for. Because if you have extra unnecessary weight, that's going to hinder you in some way. If your pack's not fit right and it's flopping around as you're walking, that's going to hinder you in some way. If you're not balancing your pack in a way where the, the weight is balanced on your hips and evenly distributed across your back, that's going to hinder you in some way. And by the time we come out of that crater, we'll be some hurting men. But we can lay aside all those things that we can evaluate all those things that hinder us and run with endurance the race set before us. Lay aside everything that hinders you. What hindered you this past year? If, if you're anything like me, it's probably a, a lot more than one thing hindered you. We have some work to do, I think, all of us. The next question I had for my, for my life over this past year was what in my life stole my focus? You know, the second half of that verse says, looking to Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We've went over this verse countless times. Christ was able to go through the things he went through because he was focused on something beyond it. He was focused on the joy set before him. He wasn't focused on the cross. He wasn't focused on the pain. He was focused on you and me and the restoration and the redemption of our lives. He was focused on something beyond that. And had he lost that focus, the story would have probably played out a little bit differently. When I'm focused on Christ and I'm laser focused on him and all these distractions of the world go away, my walk is a lot different. But when I start turning to this way or that way, and I lose my focus on Christ, I stumble, I fall, I veer off a little bit. So what in your life stole your focus this year? What in your life caused you to veer off track? Because we're called to be focused. In Luke chapter 9, and again, a familiar passage, some guys are asking Jesus about following him, what they have to do to follow him. And he starts laying out the costs of following him. And in verse 62 of chapter 9, Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, and, and you know, not, I, I doubt very many of us have plowed a field with an oxen or a mule or something dragging a plow. Most of us, if we've plowed a fuel field, have used some kind of powered machine now, right? But if you think about what it entailed to plow a field back then, you have one blade held by a uh, big handles that was pulled by an animal. So you picture someone standing like this, plowing a field, and the whole point of plowing a field good is it wants, you want it to be a straight line, and you want every line to be even and parallel. Because 
the straighter the lines and the more equally the spacing, the easier it is to harvest things. Because you got people going to walk down these fields harvesting whatever you're planting. So if you're not doing a good job plowing, you're not fit to be a farmer. So if you're walking down this field and you're turning this way and that way and your lines are going, because you can't turn and look this way without shifting your shoulders. You can't turn and look back without throwing off your line. So if you're putting your hand to the plow, don't look back. Don't lose your focus. Now, I, m- I remember talking to farmers growing up, and what they would do for that first line across the field is they, would, they always had a tree, like in the middle of the field, across the distance, and they would focus on that tree, and that first line would be straight. And then from that point, they just used their same line over and over again. And I don't know if any of you ever ever been in a cornfield. Anybody ever been in, a, in a, like an actual corn, like a big cornfield? You look at that thing from above, it looks like a mess. Like all you can see is green. But when you get down in there and you duck down and look low, you can look as far as your eye can see down a perfect row of corn, equally spaced. It's, a, it's, a, it's perfection. Because those are designed for tractor tires to be able to drive through them without crushing crops, for fertilizers to go in there without doing any damage. They, those farmers were able to plow those fields and sow those seeds without looking back. No man who puts his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What in your life this past year took your eyes off Jesus? What caused you to go a little this way or a little that way? Hopefully it was just a little this way or a little that way and not a way off track and buried in the snow somewhere. But we've all had things in our lives that we've held on to that we haven't released that have taken our eyes off Jesus and have disqualified us. Thankfully we're saved forever, but they've disqualified us in some little aspect of the service of God. What in your life took your focus off God? And I don't know if you, you, you've ever realized this about focus, but when you're really focused on something, when you're zeroed in on it, it takes a minute to get it back if something disrupts you. You know, I was just reminded of this recently. The other, the other night I had the opportunity to go hunting, and there were some deer that came into a field and it was a nice full moon night, so you had a nice clean shot. And I was zeroed in on deer through my rifle scope. And I'm ready to shoot, take out a deep breath, pull the trigger, click. Nothing happened. Misfire. And I'm thinking, man, if I rack another shell, the deer are probably going to hear it and spook and run. So thankfully, I'm with a partner who had his rifle, and he let me use his. But it took me a minute, even though I was perfectly positioned, I was ready to fire. It took me a minute to get that other rifle in that same focus. It took me a minute to get my focus back. So no matter how little bit you veer off track, it's going to take you a minute to get your focus back on Christ. So it's best just to keep your focus there. Once you get focus, maintain focus. It sounds really easy to do, but it's not. It's simple, but it's not easy. You know, we've all lost our focus in some way. And then we get discouraged, then we get troubled, and then we kind of give up a little bit, and then something else happens that's a little bit bigger, and then we try to get our focus back. Get your focus on and keep your focus on Christ. So what in your life took your focus from Christ this, week, this year? Think about it. Release it. Let go of it. Don't carry it into next year. Go into this year with laser focus on Christ. What, this is the third question I ask myself, what am I carrying over into this year that I need to leave in this year? What am I carrying over into next year that I need to leave in this year? 
What do I need to release now so I'm not carrying it into next year? The reality is that there are things in our lives that until they're dealt with, we're not going to experience any change. You got to deal with those things now to progress. You got to deal with the little things in life to take the little steps toward Christ. You got to deal with the big things to do, take big steps toward Christ. You got to deal with things now to progress toward Christ. What in my life, what in your life do you need to leave in 2023? so that you can grow closer to Christ in 2024. We got one day left, folks. Let's identify those things. Let's leave them here. Maybe we should have preached this a couple weeks ago so we had some more time, but let's leave things in 2023. We got hours, Matt informed me. That's true, we, got, we only got a few hours, folks. We got uh, 13 hours and 48 minutes to be exact. <laughs> there you go, there it is. If you're, anything, if you're anything like me, you're probably in bed by nine, so you've <laughs> you got even less than that. So let's identify the things that we can leave in 2023 to go into 2024. Because we're called, in order to put on those new things, we've got to put off the old things. And in Ephesians chapter 4, I'll show you. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 22. Actually, we want to start in we'll start in verse 20. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught him as the truth in Jesus to put off the old self, which belongs to your former man, your former man, manner of life, sorry, and is corrupt through the deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So in order to put on the true righteousness and holiness of Christ, we got to put off the old man. we got to put off the old ways. we got to put off the old behaviors. You know, I was thinking about that in, in natural terms, you know, like I, I know we've all had a hard day at work or doing something around the house, and then we had to do something nice after that, whether it was go out to dinner or go to a party or a get-together, whatever it is. And there's this, there's this play like, okay, if I do this, if I, you know, you're almost done, maybe you got, you're getting down to the wire for when you got to get ready, and you think of how, what's the least you can do to get ready, right? What's the least I got to do to go from what I'm doing now to be ready for this next event? You know, the easiest thing to do, obviously, is you come in filthy, dirty, and stinky, and you just put on some new clothes, score on some cologne, and walk out the door. You know, I've, I've tried that a couple of times. It, it works it, fine. I mean, you maybe, maybe you even wash your face a little bit, wash your hands, you got dirt on your nails still. But you look okay, you smell okay, but that doesn't last, right? Because there's this filth underneath that hasn't been dealt with. You know, and how many of us have done this? So I, I want to be more like Christ, so I'm going to wear a T-shirt that says I'm like Christ. But we didn't do anything on the inside. You know, I, I say this, I, I'm going to quote casting crowns. This just came to me. I always quote casting crowns. But God's got to change your heart before he can change your shirt. Putting on a shirt that says, I believe in Christ, or I'm a follower of Christ, or has some cool Christian saying on it, doesn't change your heart. 
eventually that filth is going to come through. People are going to say, your, your behavior don't match your shirt. Why are you wearing a shirt like that and acting like this? If you don't proper, properly clean and address the filth underneath, putting on new clothes isn't going to do you anything. If you don't properly dr- address the sin and the filth in your life, changing your behavior for a day isn't going to do anything. It may look good for a day, two days, a week. Maybe you might get with it for a couple years, but eventually that filth is going to come through. So you got to deal with the filth now. you got to leave the filth in 2023 before, on you, before you put on Christ in 2024. You got to get rid of the filth. And there's different levels of filth. Just like there's different levels of things that we got, the bad habits we have. But, you know, and it's not just a one, t- one time, okay, I'm putting off the filth, I'm done. It's identifying as it comes on, getting, getting rid of it, putting it off, putting on the new. And in Colossians chapter 3, Paul goes into a little bit more detail about the filth. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. It says, put to death, I have a note next to mine that says put off, but put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So this breaks down all the different things we can put off, put to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all in all. So that's all the things we can put off. Put off the bad talk, the bad behaviors, the bad actions, the lustful thinking, all these things that identify you with the world. Put those off. Leave those in 2023. Because in 2024, this is what you're going to put on. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Those sounds like things I want to put on my life in 2024. But in order to do that, i got to put off some things in 2023. And the awesome thing about God is he's right there waiting for us to do this. He's ready to meet us at 1159 tonight to carry over the new creation of 2024. You know, the most popular verse for New Year's is all things, the old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The old has to pass away before things become new. Get rid of the old, put on the new. I think we all have the ability, we all can walk closer to the Lord in 2024, but we have to leave something in 2023. There's a trade-off. And I pray that we all go into 2024 with the mindset of Moses that if we're not walking closely with the Lord, if we're not maintaining that relationship with him, we don't want to go any further than we are right now. If the Lord doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. Well, I want to go into 2024 because I'm excited for what the Lord has for us. I think it may very well be the Lord he does come, the year he does come back. And if not, I'm going to be closer to him on December 31st, 2024 than I am this morning. 
and I hope you all will be too. Hopefully that helped you guys this morning. I know it helped me. Go into 2024 closer and stronger and better than ever.